Hey, it's Craig from Revolution Radio. This is just a reminder. Can you hit that subscribe button? That way you never miss a new episode of Canadian AF. And now, Revolution Radio and Canadian AF are proud to announce we are the newest members of a collective of some of the planet's greatest content creators on the new Cryer Media family. You can check out all the goodies that Cryer Media has to offer, including this podcast, at Cryer.co. Once again, that's C-R-I-E-R dot C-O. Thanks so much for listening to Revolution Radio, and enjoy this podcast. I'm uh, sorry, I'm new to this. I, hi, how you doing? DJ Craig G. Apparently, I just <laughs> found out I what it is for that. Yeah, I I'm just... uh, sorry, I'm new to this. I, hi, how you doing? DJ Craig. Okay. Are we live? Yeah, we are live. Actually, I did not. <laughs> so I just turned off. I just turned off the Twitch feed going back through the fold back here. So anyway, people out there sitting there going, what the hell is a fold back? What are you even talking about right now? We'll do it live. Let's Fuck just. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Recommend measures for and an air. Lover, she simply slammed the door. She said, You're gonna miss me. Wait and you'll see. Fully and completely. And that's where we left off in episode one two weeks ago, back in 1991. 92, 91, 91, two, three, two, three. Uh, the album's called Fully, Completely. And of course, our man Army Chris showed his copy in the camera of said record. Amazing artwork. Just a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant album. And this is the Canadian AF crew having a look at what we call the tragically hip Canada's band of the 90s. My name is DJ Craig G, a.k.a. Craig beside me is my friend dimitri alexiu a music historian incredible person musician um teleprompter operator as a matter of fact just so you know uh of course we've also got our pal army chris who is uh, a regular contributor here at the radio station looking forward to his program which is going to be army chris's mixtape going to be uh I think we're going to be airing that every thursday if i'm not mistaken right chris thursday nights at 9 p.m perfect standard time can't, 7 p.m can't freaking wait on Revolution i had to steal Radio. the uh yeah i had to steal the much music power hour slot from hey, back in the so good i i i watched <laughs> the shit out of the power hour buddy it was one of my favorite shows Therese really Saroncon. yeah absolutely and that was one of the things too that strombo actually said when he uh was asked to come come into uh, the much music fold he said I'll I'll do much music, but you have to promise me you're going to give me power hour, uh, power hour. Uh, I think the metal show and the punk and the punk show. So they were like, yeah, no problem, done. Um, Ryan Lindley from the Getting Sauced podcast, Chef Ryan Lindley, a barbecue pit master, and he is a regular contributor here as well. He would joined us back episode forty six of Canadian AF as a co-host and is now becoming a regular contributor on this station as well. Of course, in the very bottom, we have our man Rob Johnston, a.k.a. Robbie J., producer of Alan Cross's ongoing history of new music and is basically the Swiss Army knife of a, uh, a group of wonderful, wonderful podcasts called The Curious Cast Network. So, Rob, thanks for joining us. Everybody, guys, thanks for being here tonight. I really appreciate mm -hmm. it. Rob provides technical support, you know. He most certainly does. <laughs> he loves being known for that. Yeah. Well, he did say last week, Ryan, just so you know, uh, the last broadcast, he said on his gravestone, he's going to say technical production by 
dot directed my family to put that on my tombstone <laughs> fantastic uh dimitri if you don't mind acknowledgement please my friend canadian as fuck would like to begin by acknowledging the indigenous peoples of all the lands that we are on today while we meet tonight on a virtual platform we would like to take an all to take a moment to reaffirm our commitment and responsibility in improving relationships between nations to improving our own understanding of local indigenous peoples and cultures and to try to move forward in a spirit of reconciliation and collaboration thank you my friend the tragically hip often referred to simply as the hip um where canadian band formed in 1984 in kingston ontario gore downey on vocals paul langlois a guitarist, uh, lead guitarist Rob Baker, also known as Bobby Baker, until 1994, which is around the time that we're talking about today. Bassist Gord St. Clair and drummer Johnny Fay. This band, it's hard to put into words, I think, for a lot of people that are not from this country to, to understand really how much this band meant to so, so, so many Canadians. I'm going to look up the figures here in a few minutes in regards to the last performance by the Tragically Hip in Kingston, Ontario. I think it was around 11 million people, if I'm not mistaken, that watched that broadcast, the live broadcast that the Tragically Hip played their last performance at the K-Rock Center in Kingston, Ontario. Um, it's really hard to kind of wrap your head around because I think, especially if you're from the United States, there are so many bands out there that can mean so many different things to so many people, especially throughout different decades and what have you. The Tragically Hip for us from the late 80s straight through until unfortunately when we lost frontman of the Tragically Hip, Gord Downey, meant so, so, so much to this country. And the reason we're essentially doing this look back on the Tragically Hip it's because in the 90s, they really were Canada's band. Robbie J came up with the title uh, for us, the Tragically Hip Canada's Band of the 90s. And it's absolutely 100% true. So the first broadcast that we did was two weeks ago. I apologize. I was out of commission last week. Uh, I couldn't, uh, couldn't do the show. Back this week and super, super psyched to be here, we did the first four records, the Tragically Hip Blue EP. Up to here, Road Apples, and of course we finished off with the album that we just heard from fully, completely released. Um, yeah, as I say, early 90s, and that was competing with grunge at the time. But in Canada, we really didn't give a fuck because the Tragically Hip were just, they were awesome. So, we're now going to um, move forward with the next <clears throat> three records, essentially, that were released during the 90s for the Tragically Hip, of course, Day for Night, Trouble at the Hen House, and Phantom Power. Now, the last record that we're going to talk about briefly, there they are, love it, and, oh, I've got to download that thing that my buddy Ryan Lindley sent me, uh, the original photograph of the cover for, uh, for Phantom Power. I will get that. I actually have it. So I'm going to share that with everybody here on the broadcast, but what we're going to do is essentially start by if anyone has any thoughts about remembering what those times were like because i know everybody was there <laughs> uh, during that time at the end of fully completely in anticipation 
for their next record that was uh, was to be released in 1994. I, I didn't get to join you guys on the first edition of this series, and I wanted to throw it. You were talking about how they formed in, in Kingston in 84. And did you know the story about um, Johnny Fay and Rob Baker, about how they met? No. So get this. So Johnny Fay is from England. Like his parents immigrated here from from England. And they lived across the road from Baker's parents' place. And they were invited to their first function, which was a New Year's Eve party at the Baker's home. And thus started this relationship <laughs> with uh, the, the parents, which became a relationship between the children, which became the tragically fucking hip. Um, and also Gord Sinclair lived across the road from Baker's parents as well. So Baker and Sinclair actually were born, I think they're a year apart or something, but they were like zero and one when when, like the the parents knew each other before the the guys even knew each other. So we have to thank those parents. I'm sorry. They they deserve a big thank you for having the fates and the, the, the stars aligned to get those guys. together. So no, absolutely wild. Yeah, that does Ryan. That story resonates, and like, like it was like Gord Downey came in later. Like, hey, there's this guy, Gord Downey. Maybe we should give him a whirl. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. A lot of people, a lot of like, you always, yeah. you always face the the face of tragically hip is always Gord Downey, but people don't realize it. It was those guys that really they were the glue. Like they were the foundation yeah, of that true, band, sure. right? So, yeah, just just incredible, uh, incredible uh, ways the the world collided there in Kingston. Of all places, <laughs> I was working at a music store around the mid, uh, sorry, early 2010s. I think it was 2011. I was working at a music store called Cosmo Music in Richmond Hill. And there was this night where they put together this master class of all sorts of great Canadian guitars. If I'm not mistaken, I think Rick Emmett was there. Uh, Ian Thornley was there. Uh, Jeff Martin may have been there from Tea Party. There's a bunch of great, just great, great guitarists. And one of the guitarists that they brought in was Rob Baker. And I remember being in the drum shop at the time. And all of a sudden, somebody from the management company from Big Rec comes running in because they set up a big, massive stage in the guitar department for all of these bands to play and the place is absolutely packed and somebody comes running in and it's like guys the the drummer's bass drum pedal just broke like can, can we borrow something so i grab like you know a great bass drum pedal off the shelf i go running into the guitar department i set it up for for the boys and ian thornley kind of looks at me he's like thanks a lot brother and like you know i get off stage anyway they they keep doing their set and it was awesome as i'm walking out of the guitar department there's these two big beautiful oak double doors with glass lining both of them and they 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 kind of don't open automatically, but they open very easily. Standing right next to those two doors was Rob Baker. And I walked up to him and kind of like sort of to the side. So I'm here and he's here. And I kind of, I literally just put my hands on his two shoulders. And I said, Rob, I just want to say thank you for the music and the memories. And, and he he actually said, dude, that that really, he patted me on the shoulder. He's like, that really means a lot, man. Thanks oh, he so didn't much. call the cops. That's good. <laughs> no, no, he didn't. <laughs> no, differently. Not that time. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, not that time. That was Let's the first time I met Rob Baker. Awesome. Yeah, no, it was, uh, going it, back, he is so cool. Going back to your question about um, the, anticip- the, the period of time between fully completely and day for night. Um, I was in journalism school at the time, mm. and uh, were you at Ryerson or yeah, 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 
and uh i was um i was doing i was working on a story for um the ryerson review of journalism which is a which is a magazine and uh and i was talking to somebody from the uh the kingston wig standard and i said is there any story that you think that is there a story that you can think of that is an example of people over the age of 40 like not getting it and like because they they thought that the age that there wasn't a lot of young people working at the wig standard at the time and they said well <laughs> they said when when day for night came out like like day for night had had was maybe a month or two old by the time by that time and it did and it just exploded on the canadian charts rocketed right up to number one yeah and um yeah it debuted at number one it debuted at number one like yeah. in the in the states i think the fragile by nine inch nails was number one either that or uh either that or um i might i might be wrong about no that. nails nails it would you're absolutely right it would have been fragile. yeah, yeah that's right yeah so the, the um, album. Yeah. yeah and um so they said um that it was a uh, that day for night it came out and uh there was so they said so the guy who i was talking to who was like under the age of 30 he said um i was looking through the entertainment section around that time it's like there's not a single story here about the tragically hip they're from kingston they're huge and there's not a single story Jesus. <laughs> and it's the kingston wig standard wow and uh, and i just thought i just thought yeah there was um there's something that the that the older folks in Canada just did not understand about yeah. the hip. You well, know, they were they were they were totally our band. They were they were totally Gen X's band. They were total Gen X band. They were total they were total twenty five and under at that point in time. From from about you know ninety three ninety anybody born between sixty five and after that was their band, right? Yeah. Like because then you were getting into sub sub thirty years old. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like if i remember correctly the, the vibe around post 93 going into day for night was before day for night came out was like these guys were unstoppable i mean they just came off of roadside attraction and people were blown away that they could pull that off and they weren't just playing the big venues in the cities like they played you know they were going out to the markham fairgrounds and they were playing all yes. across the country to all these places that were not where you would normally expect a big tour traveling tour to go you know and they're bringing lanois they're bringing midnight oil they're bringing like yeah. big artists big musicians and i you know it, it was it was just it was it was amazing to me yeah that, that another roadside attraction was we had a thing out here it's no longer but it was called stage 13. it was in camrose alberta like 40 minutes from edmonton and um, the first stage 13, the headliners were Nickelback and the hip. And it was 60,000 people camped out for the whole week. Yeah. It was Son un fucking believable. Wow. I um, told the story. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I told the story on episode 46 when our man Ryan Lindley was with us and uh, Ryan brought locked in the trunk of a car. We actually started talking about my experience of going to the Markham Fair. And seeing that show, I was actually there when. Oh, I thought you were locked in the trunk of the car to get <laughs> in. I was, I was also <laughs> there too. Avoid paying to get in. I was also there as well. Yeah, the guy that that <laughs> pops out at the uh, at the drive through or the yeah, drive in had, the drive in theater. Perfect. So I was uh, I was actually there uh, 
when Lanois opened uh, for the show. And all I can say is the story is very, very sad. It's not what you hoped it was. That show uh, was actually quite emotional, I think, for the Tragically Hip because uh, let's just say Lanois didn't have a good experience at that show. And uh, Oh, I've, I've actually... been to hip shows with Lanois that's opened up and people are like, like, who is this guy? What's he doing on stage? And yeah. I'm like, I guarantee every single person here has a copy of the Joshua Tree, Peter Gabriel's So, yeah. you know, all those albums. I'm like, those albums wouldn't exist without that dude on yeah. stage. Yeah. And they just didn't get it. Yeah. People's, yeah. That's, like, a, that's a great point. I, really I, great. I told the story of uh, when at the, at the, the Markham Fairgrounds that people were throwing water bottles. And, yeah. um, and I remember Ryan's reaction was like, no. It was like, yeah. So the Tragically Hip came out, played 45 minutes, no encore, and fucked off. And that was that. So anyway, See, I, told, I told the story a little bit better on, on episode 46, so, but anyway. It's, it's made so, long, you can, you, too. You can check it out. Look it up. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's right. A good one. When, it was only like 16 hours long. It was awesome. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good episode for sure. Yeah, we started it was, on a Monday and went to bed on a Wednesday. It, it was amazing. Was 15 hours. <laughs> you, guys, you guys all remember when Day for Night came out. We were all we were waiting. Yeah, for this. Oh album yeah. To come well, out. And mm-hmm. did oh, you yeah. have? Did anybody have like apprehension? Because I know we talked about this a little off air. Were you worried? Like, okay, you just smashed out two killers, and I'll I'll, I'll float the question. I'm but gonna I'll, I'll give you my impressions first. Too. I was worried, and then I heard that opening drum riff to Grace Two, which is my favorite song, second favorite song on the album, and I'm like, I'm losing my mind. This is this is gonna be off the mm. chain and it was yeah. just absolutely unbelievable signature sound and every time they played i was i was like 90 percent for guessing the set list opening song and i i, I want to say about 90 percent of the time that the hip played edmonton grace 2 was the opening song yeah and it really yeah. set the tone and blended well with the previous albums it was just, it was fucking unbelievably amazing yeah no no apprehension on my part no apprehension on my part i actually it's kind of weird i um actually there was i grew up in thornhill i was living in thornhill at the time that that's a that's a suburb of toronto to the north and um i remember at the time there was like this uh there's this little industrial road in thornhill called green lane and i'm very familiar with green lane i love and and at that time there was like a very brief window where there was like a record store on green lane named LA music. Mm -hmm. And so I was walking distance from there the day before the day for night was supposed to come out. I walked over to LA music, poked myself in and I saw that there were copies there. And I thought, and it was like, this is not supposed to be out until tomorrow. But I picked up a copy, took it over to the nice. counter. That's awesome. <laughs> Thor, you won. And then like and then bought it. And then like and then I remember like uh I was working at my dad's I was working at my dad's restaurant in the St. Lawrence Market that that Saturday after that. And I said, Oh my god, I got it and I got it a day early. And there was somebody there who worked there was a customer of mine who I told told that to. Who works in the re- who works in the record industry oh, and no. was so pissed off, <laughs> so pissed off at my story. <laughs> you you didn't tell him what store it was. I hope no, no. Okay, but good. Like, good. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was super stoked to have that album. Speaking, speaking of, of super stoked. Speaking yeah. of that album, here we go. 
I have fucking two of them. Interesting <laughs> and sophisticated, refusing to be celebrated. It's a monumental big screen kiss. It's so deep, it's meaningless. One day you'll just up and quit. That'll be it just then The stripper stopped in a coffin fit She said, sorry, I can't go on with it So fucking good, this album, oh my god That's awful close, but that's not why I'm so hard done by the fourth studio album Named after the film of the same name Film from 1973, Day for Night was recorded at Kingsway Studios in New Orleans and Le Cave de Dave in Kingston. I don't know what that's all about, but of course, the Tragically Hip know what that's all about. It was released September 24th, 1994. Produced mainly by Mark Howard and a certain fellow you may have heard of by Mark Vreken. Um, This record is a lot more dark than Mm. previous Tragically Hip records. Now, yeah, a lot of people have had to say a lot of things about the Tragically Hips day for night. I've said for me, this is actually my personally my favorite record yeah. by this band. I would agree. I I'm would gonna, agree. I'm going to tell you why. If I was to compare it and go back to someone like the Beatles, the Beatles Rubber Soul was then followed up by an album called Revolver. Rubber Soul and Revolver are regarded as two of the Beatles' finest albums of all time. For me, personally speaking, fully completely is Rubber Soul, Day for Night is Revolver. Revolver, excuse me, Day for Night is really where the Tragically Hip became the Tragically Hip for the rest of the 90s. This was the album that kept this band in our psyche until essentially they split up. The Tragically Hip became the Tragically Hip for me on Day for Night, and I'll tell you why. Wow. This record for me spawned Bob Cajun. This record for me spawned Nautical Disaster. This, this record for me spawned um, Ahead by a Century. This record for me spawned uh, Poets. You name it. Like all of the big, massive hits that they would still enjoy all the way, which we're going to talk to, talk about until the end of the program those hits would not have become possible had day for night not existed for me something like grace 2 or nautical disaster those for me are the beatles tomorrow never knows or got to get you into my life or i'm only sleeping like they are songs that are so every time i hear grace 2 it absolutely takes me back to i I know exactly where I was. I know exactly what I was wearing. I know what record store I bought Day for Night from. I still have the same copy in my record collection to this day. I still have the very same CD that I bought at a little record store that Rob Johnston might be a little familiar with, 333 Young Street. I picked Mm -hmm. up that record Mm -hmm. at HMV on Young Street, and I still have the same copy to this day. And half of the HMV sticker is still on that CD. <laughs> wow. So okay. I have so a 333 for- Young Street bag lying around. I found it the other day. <laughs> the, wow. adhesive in the, pl- the adhesive in plastics has outlasted the store. Good for you. Yeah, so, for so, sure. Yeah, I'm, so, so well, I'm going to go so, last on this so, conversation because they're going to so, spin this a little bit. So, so I, I, if I may, just to really quickly finish up, mm-hmm. Chris, uh, if you don't mind, sorry, buddy. 
Um, yeah, so for me, day for night is absolutely, uh, a fully completely and day for night f- for me are absolutely like, you know, um, uh, it, absolutely the Beatles, Rubber Soul and, and Revolver. Um, I mean, there's all sorts of other, you know, first record or second record or just a brilliant record followed up by another brilliant record. There's so many bands that you could do that with throughout history. Um, that's for me the the importance of day for night can never be understated because for me it it was the record that literally kept to the tragically hip being the tragically hip for the rest of their career it wouldn't have been fully completely if day for night didn't exist and we and you went straight from yep. from uh from uh that uh, excuse me sorry from uh fully completely uh into trouble at the henhouse Trouble at the Hennos would have been a completely different record. So anyway, that's that's just my opinion. So, Chris, yes, sir. Okay, I'm I'm just gonna say this a bit differently because I, I I just can't get my head around a favorite album or or the pinnacle. Here's how I look at it. Up to here, mm-hmm. fully he complete. just he just he just showed the up to here. Yeah, I don't, I don't showed, see that fully completely. Now he showed, and now he for those fully for those in the podcast <laughs> for those in the podcast version. Yeah, now I'm showing <laughs> day for night. Yeah, yeah, day for night, and that led to this live live between us, live yeah. between the first live album. Mm-hmm. I look at those. I look at day for night since we're focusing on. I'm not discarding any of the other albums that come later as this rounding of a trilogy of amazing music that is different than the first two but compliments both that comes together yeah. is this amazing live masterpiece. You said that on, yeah. recorded on day for night or sorry, live between us. And and when you put it all together, because we all agree that when you he- see the hip live, it is a completely different experience. Oh yeah. So mm-hmm. when I look at those three albums and again, not discarding, we'll talk about the follow on later, that trilogy, if you will, mm-hmm. it, 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 to me, it's like, I can't pick one of the three and say, this is it. This is the masterpiece. This is the best one. This is the finest work. Yeah. That's completely understandable albums and say those albums, when you put them to put them together, that is the most rounded work the band has ever put out collectively. If that makes sense to you. Guys. It absolutely, totally makes, totally makes sense. sense. It totally makes, and you know what? It's funny. I was thinking the past week or so, and you're right. There is no, in my mind, best album. They're a band that their best album is actually like your favorites or lie between us. It's yeah, the collection. Right? Exactly. Mm. There, there's no album I can say that's the one I'll listen to all the time, all the time, all the time. Mm-hmm. There's ebbs and flows. What I find with this album and, and like Craig, like, okay, this is the album I like the best. Yeah. That's how I'm going to phrase it. It's not my favorite. Right. It's the one that's I right. like the best. That's what I should have said, Rob. You're um, right. This is the one that I like the best, but I love, I love. It's the one I'll go I back to. Stuff. Yeah. It's the one I'll go back to. But what I think I really liked about this one is I like albums with depth and darkness, mm-hmm. I find. Yeah. And there's elements of this that remind me, and I know, you know, Chris and Ryan, you are not going to like hearing this. But there's elements of this that remind me of the back half of Actung Baby, The Fly, oh, Until gosh. the End of the World. Yeah. The last three, the last three songs. Yeah. Like, the, like that. I but just, I'm saying like polished. the dark, the darkness, the darkness of the writing, the Correct. texture, the production. Yep. the feel the vibe that's what i mean about it and, and there's other albums too like i get into some of like the tool like the lateral Alice album the darkness in there 
that's what on this album that just stands out to well, me. Like, Grace well, two well, is a pinnacle. Well, you the know. thing is, like there, there is a lot of death imagery yeah. in Day for Night. Like there's funeral, funeral sandwiches and coffee. There's like there's there's a lot of yeah, like inevitability of death. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, right. so that was um, as a joke, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know that that, that actual that title that working title was a joke because they were they they were sitting around trying to figure it out and they said, wouldn't it be funny? have a morning radio jock who was all like <laughs> pumped and ready to go and trying to tell and now here's inevitability, <laughs> inevitability of death, death and trying to keep yeah. their their audience that's up true. yeah that that's actually a fact from from the band so yeah i will i will finish i'll say this to me it's their most polished if you had to pick one mm. word polished yeah that's mm-hmm. the word for that album absolutely mm-hmm. i suppose this you, one I, I suppose somebody could have that opinion I um, the lyrics are polished, maybe. I don't know. I just like the whole thing is so polished to me from okay. the previous two. I, I like the roughness, but I just it was just so polished. Oh yeah, up well, to here was a garage album. comes out. Yeah, yeah. Up to here was a garage album, like, and you could say the same thing about Road Apples too. Yeah. Well, those uh, oh, those those records were recorded live off the floor. That was basically yeah, a band yeah. recording their their tunes all together, and then Gord would kind of jump in sort of an isolated booth after the fact and basically yep. just sing back to all the tracks so One um, thing- it was actually it was we talked about that on the last episode of uh the producer from fully completely actually made the band do part crit by sangaritas part, by part yeah. by part by part and then gord i think literally had like three days to do vocals which is incredible to me it's like oh, wow. no pressure yeah literally three days like like 72 hours and go and Gord was like, mm, "Okay, here we go," and you know, <laughs> and started, of course, with with uh, courage. So I think that I think that for me, I think that Day for Night is their most cohesive album. Like it, it just seems yeah, to me exactly. like it's it's one cohesive journey throughout the, the throughout the entire length, like from the first song to the last song. This for and me, that, and yeah. I, that's what that's why I think. That's why I think that I hold that so that album so close to my heart in a way that I don't think I do for any like I love the hit, but I think that that's the album I I hold closest to my heart. Me too. And uh, and it's just that um, and also as I said as I said like um, last time Chris like when you when you did you picked a Titanic Terrarium Titanic Terrarium which is and it's like and it's just like uh, God damn that song kills me. It's, it's like it's like, you know and um but uh but yeah i as as much as i love day for night for newbie i don't think that they should start there right no. i agree i think oh, well, that's I, a great that's a good point so where do you think a newbie should start fully I, I like yeah fully completely if i if yeah. i if we're gonna if we're gonna remove live albums and your favorites mm-hmm. from from this discussion and I do think that removing those albums like that makes this discussion more fun. <laughs> uh, but but uh, yeah. I, I I think that newbie should should start with fully completely. And I have had a newbie start with fully completely. I don't disagree with that, Dimitri. I think you're correct. Yeah, I agree with that, 100%. In, in, in the in the in the past, like anytime they've been at, like one of the one of the biggest questions that tragically hip is asked when they're interviewed is, "What the hell do your songs mean? Like, what the hell are are these lyrics all about? What?" what's the meaning behind meaning 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 and i think they've summed it up very well each and every time it's very consistent and i think it comes together in day for night perfectly 
they said imagine imagine like an old in the 80s when you would like flip through a photo album everything was it was all different photos Mm -hmm. but it all once you looked at it as a whole it made sense to go page by page by page and i think day for night really captured that from track one to the end absolutely how that entire thing flowed like it was almost like they finally got into that they they were very good at it all along but the groove of of building an album and crafting an actual album and a set like the actual playlist of the album i think day for night hands down is one of the best for that and if you listen to brian if you listen to the mix the songs flow yeah like they they flow date grace to flow there's a little yeah. uh, hiccup into yeah, daredevil, daredevil and yeah. yeah you know comes through my favorite on it oh, god it's so hard between grace two and nautical disaster for me <laughs> like the thing i but it's always going to be nautical disaster one there's no verse in that song or there's mm-hmm. no chorus no, it's right. just straight story i've and love songs it's like basically that. an arctic monkey song <laughs> there's no, there's no chorus yeah do you there's guys no do you guys know that i still drink nabob full city dark because of the song greasy jungle oh <laughs> wow. wow i do it's the only coffee i'll buy i i said um i said to friends of mine i'm gonna name my boat um I, anyway I'm susan? my boat the anyway susan nice and, and, <laughs> And I said, I'll see who can figure it out. But the yeah. thing about it is, well, like, that's it, pretty slick, man. I, that's I, great. I like that. yeah. That's good, Rob. That's great. But you have to put a you have to put a comma anyway. Comma, Susan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like you listen to those songs, and then you take those songs and you listen to the versions on, uh, um, uh, sorry, it's just not live between us. The the other one, the one night. Live with the Roxy. Or, or, no, 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 no. Oh, no. oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the night in Toronto. One night in yeah. Toronto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You listen to the version of Nautical Disaster on that, and it is just astonishing. Mm-hmm. You know, Gord just goes off in his whole thing, and we're going home, boys, you know, and just that yeah, whole thing. Yeah, it's pretty, it's like, heavy. Yeah. Oh, man. So good. Um, So what we need to do is we're going to talk about the singles off of this. So this is a current, this is a, a common theme. With a lot of tragically hip albums, which I will talk about uh, in the on the next one because there's a perfect example of that as well. Uh, Grace Two released September 1994, Greasy Jungle November 94, Nautical Disaster February 95, So Hard Done by my personal favorite song on this record uh, May 95 along with uh, Grace Two, Scared September of 1995, and this one for our man Dimitri. Released February of 1996. That's a track called Thugs. That's like, that's uh, which like is a year and a half later. Correct. <laughs> that is something yeah. that we need to talk about as about well. About the longevity of, a, of an album, being able For, to yeah, do that. Trouble, the at, the cycle, Trouble you know? at the Hen House and Phantom Power. All of these records, all the way straight from um, up to here, all the way straight through to the end of the, the 90s. All of their records had singles that lasted over a year, so, so they would release. Was that the, was Thugs was Thugs the sixth single? No, that was track six off of the record. 
So that but, was but but you yeah you, sorry yeah yeah no sorry track eight on the record and uh, track uh, that was the sixth single from that six album. singles six off of one six record. off one album yeah, yeah. <laughs> but why, but, okay okay but 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 you got to remember back in the nineties why wouldn't you put out that many singles because you're getting the airplay you're getting the tour support yeah, you're getting the audience you just keep going and going and going and going yeah but they were a band that could drop six singles off of oh, an totally album i mean rob you were you've you've been a, a mainstay as far as things go like you started your career at cfny in shortly after um uh the downward spiral came out fall of 89 like oh but that was i'm oh, sorry no you mean uh um yeah so yeah. you've been at cfny essentially you were there for a good 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 many years and i mean you would have remembered a lot of these records hitting oh. radio and yeah. starting the, in september of 1994 and lasting until february yeah. of 96 yeah because they were touring they would tour festivals they would do outside mm -hmm. shows they would come back and they would do winter arena tours they would do all the hockey arenas they would go and, coast to coast to coast yeah and this was um and they were the wasn't day for night when they became the first band to do a headline their own cross canada tour and hit up all the like hitting up all the NHL, probably selling out every NHL selling out arena? all the arenas. Yeah, yeah probably i, I would day say for so. night probably was no yeah i i know i think it was because i remember yeah. i remember they did play some pretty big venues in that one and then they played the, maple leaf gardens for sure yeah oh yeah so you know for the next four albums they were just arena 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 yeah um but, but i mean that was a year you could see the hip like two times in the same town in one year because yeah. they were doing like you said an yeah. outside thing and yeah. then an arena thing in the winter and like wow i'm seeing these guys a yeah. lot yeah because they're I, they're just out there touring and just killing it but here's something I was just looking at, and I was thinking about this over the last two weeks, too. If you look at their album, their, their catalog, so they put out an album in 89, 91, 92, 94, 96, 98, and then 2000. Half their albums came out in the 90s. The yeah. other half came out after that. The majority of fans, like passive fans, I'm not talking hardcore, passive fans, know the albums up to and including maybe in violet light after that it's it's sporadic mm -hmm. that output in the 90s was just like boom they may be touring but they were still putting stuff out like yeah that's yeah. why you always felt like there was a new single out because they would put six singles out and then when it's time for another single a new album comes out <laughs> like what a way to refuel the tank on a tour you know oh what God. i mean like just to get buzz to get radio play to get just just the attention with to be able to stretch that album out over an entire nationwide tour is it's a it's brilliant management and it's oh, yeah. brilliant yeah and it's just brilliant uh brilliant song like, you oh we've so i have to i have to ask i have ahead, to ask how many among us watched snl live okay <laughs> thank you so much okay so that's literally my next my next Thing that i have to bring up here okay so um march 25th 1995 the host of saturday night live is actually john goodman yep dan Aykroyd asked lauren michaels and john goodman if it would be okay for him to introduce one of his favorite bands because john goodman thought you know i've, I've heard this band from canada they're pretty freaking cool 
maybe we could get them on the show. And Dan Aykroyd was like, let me introduce them because I'm friends with them. So Dan Aykroyd comes on and says, ladies and gentlemen, a band from Kingston, Ontario, and my friends, the Tragically Hip. They break into, I believe it was Grace 2. They do. Yes. It was, so it was Grace 2. One of the great stories that was actually told to me, I used to work with uh, one of his nieces, actually, my friend Aiden, told me a great story, and Gort has told the story too, of unfortunately he wasn't there to be in house uh for his nephew's 11th birthday so gore downey said i'm going to celebrate your birthday somehow on this broadcast on saturday night live i don't know what i'm going to do yet but you'll know what it is so when the band breaks into grace two gore downey all of a sudden does this to the camera and he does a one and a one for 11 to celebrate his his uh his nephew's birthday now here's the question that my best friend steve lamotti asked me just this past week and he's like dude i can't wait for your next show it's going to be freaking awesome and ironically he's (laughs) not here right now so he'll listen to the (laughs) podcast later that's but that's okay so he he writes this and he said i want you to pose this to the panel here's the question You guys never mentioned that the hip never really made it in the United States. They had an amazing opportunity on SNL to take a hold of America. As much as I love Grace 2 and Nautical Disaster, I think they were both the wrong songs, both at the time and currently. He's kind of, you know. Uh, Do you think Um, they would have gained better traction or taken off in the U.S. if they had have chosen two other songs, say New Orleans or Wheat Kings or maybe a couple of other tunes? Uh, I think country fans would have gravitated towards these types of songs in the United States. Uh, and then he asks about a couple of other tunes that it's, they hadn't been released yet, but it's all good. So what is everyone's take on that? Okay, so, well, first, first of all, um, your friend is here. He just said Guinness 69 says, hey! yes, I am. So, <laughs> hey, Dave, so, what's up, buddy? Absolutely <laughs> correct, in my but, opinion. But he, he really does have a point. Like, he does absolutely. have a solid point. I think, okay, so let's let's put this out to, to everybody here on the uh, mm. panel. I'm sure Chris well, will be well, back here in a second. Right. So obviously they were touring the album Day for Night. So let's just right. catch Chris up here. I'm, I think so, Chris... Probably just a second, Dimitri. So, Chris, basically, uh, we're talking about the uh, my friend Steve mentioned uh, he's going to 69 in the chat here mentioned that the Tragically Hip, unfortunately, never made it in the United States because when they had the opportunity being on Saturday Night Live, they played a couple of tracks from said record, which we're looking at right now. Maybe they yeah. should have done New Orleans. Maybe they should have done Little Bones. What what does everybody on the panel panel think? So, Dimitri, I apologize. Sorry for interrupting. Go ahead. All right. So, all right. So, everybody but Ryan did the previous episode. Um, Ryan, one thing that I think that Rob, Chris, Craig, and I agree upon is that the hip were not really as concerned about being accepted in the United States as much as their fans were. I, I <laughs> their 100% fans agree. Were, yes, <laughs> you know, 100% yeah. agree. agreed. They, they were they, financially okay. Yeah, and um, <laughs> they did okay. They made and, a couple um, shackles. And so, to me, I think that the members of the hip were more concerned about following their muse than yeah. doing what would have commercially benefited them the most. And so, I think that, yeah, I think that they wanted to play great. Grace two is 
probably up there. It, no, it's not probably. It is absolutely amongst my favorite hip songs of all time. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And so, and um, one day I will find mm-hmm. a karaoke version that I can sing in a bar. But, um, but, <laughs> uh, you better have a couple. <laughs> do it right here, Dimitri. Go for it. So, uh, no. And a no. one and a two. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Follow the bouncing ball. That's right. Yeah. And, um, nautical disaster, I, like it's like i suppose they they could have gone back and done something like little bones or i just, I just think steve's new orleans i, I think steve's 100 percent right i think that yeah. um i think grace 2 was a great choice i think it was a perfect introduction to the band because it's such a great fucking song and that drum intro and everything that that uh, that of course uh chris was talking about recently but I really think, yeah, I think they should. I think their second song should have been a fucking hip banger, courage. Right. Like, but at knew, the end, of, like, the, at the end know, of the day, I want the hip to do what the hip want to do. Yeah, three pistols yep. would have been a good pick. You can oh, go down three pistols. Right. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Generally, when generally when a band goes on SNL, they're gonna play a big single that yeah. they're that they're promoting. Absolutely, always. And then they're gonna go back into a catalog and and, and play a banger, mm-hmm. right? Lenny Kravitz, you know, I, I, I remember when Lenny Kravitz, he first song was, uh, are you going to go my way? Because that was the new that album. Was Ashley Simpson, ba- Ashley Simpson. Yeah. Same. And then, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and then, and then the next song that Lenny Kravitz did was, uh, always on the run, the previous album. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it just smoked everybody, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, and I, I totally, I totally agree with with the sentiment of of, and and I'm going to pare it down a little more simple than than we're all kind of diving into motives and why we pick the songs that we play on on uh, when we play live, and I'm gonna I'm gonna dumb it down to the fact that it's Americans and the song has the words New Orleans in it, and it's a Canadian band singing about their country. They would have ate it up. It would yeah, have ended I, up I in, in space, and it's a great song, right? So, like, to take mm-hmm. all those together, but to your to your very valid point, I don't think they gave a fuck. <laughs> I really no. don't think they cared. No, they did you not know? give a no, fuck. They, they, didn't. they did not care. They they they're yeah. going to do what they wanted to do, which is and amazing. It, it, it either Makes resonates or it doesn't, and that's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well. Day for Night is uh, an incredible record. It really is. It for me is just as I say the the blueprint. It's it's essentially the yardstick for what I felt ended up being the next two records. Which of course now the next record we have to talk about. Uh, Kingsway is the Kingsway Studio in New Orleans. Is that the one that's owned by Daniel Lenoir? I think, I think so. I think, I think it so. Might be right. Recorded at the Kingsway in New Orleans, as well as the Bath House in Bath, Ontario, which I, my wife and I actually looked up today, and it is literally 25 minutes outside of Belleville. So it's actually not, it's actually not far from uh, my, my, uh, my best friend, Steve. Well, that's Um, their studio, right? Yes, that's right. That's, that's a hit, the hit built that. And, uh, and, uh, and I think that like, uh, Trouble at the Hen House was the first time they that was worked on at the Bath. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was the open. First they opened it right around then. That's where Phantom Power sits right now on a that's shelf, right. still to this day. That's the, actual, the okay. Yeah. 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 So, uh, released May fourteenth of nineteen ninety six. This album My debuted birthday. at number one. Stayed for of four course weeks. it did. 
My and birthday. it won it won album of the year at the Juno Awards in nineteen ninety seven. Um, so Trouble at the Hen House for me is a great record. I adore it. My favorite rec- my favorite song off of this album one hundred and ten percent. I know my man Army Chris is going to agree with this. Is seven hundred foot ceiling? It's the greatest song on the record. I'm sorry, I love Ahead by a Century. I love Gift Shop. Seven hundred foot ceiling is is far and away the best song on this record. Does anybody have anything they would like to say about this record before we get into some of the tunes? Springtime in Vienna is a banger too. Just I love we're actually springtime. Be, we're actually going to be playing that in just a minute here. So, but um. I think don't love it. I, I don't love it as much as the albums that surround it. I'm just going to say yep, that. I think fair. that, I yep. think that uh, at some points the album gets a little bit too moody for me. Um, I'm probably, I, I don't know how other, if how other people feel about it. Um, I think songs like Sherpa maybe are a little bit too moody, but, uh, but it it's, it's got some, it's got some songs I love on it. I was like, Absolutely. I told you guys, you know, off air earlier, this was that album that, that I, I had anxiety about because you just had like four bangers, like killers. And now it, it's not that I doubted the band and their ability to, to, to deliver and evolve. It was like every band doesn't matter who you are goes bang 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 and then has a miss and i was worried it was going to be a miss i would say it's a miss that's not what i'm saying yeah absolutely i, I, I mean it produced to be one it produced historically yeah, it did, absolutely it did right? have the potential to be one you're absolutely right chris and ryan at, at uh, the no, end of the day yeah. at the end of the day it had a head by a century which which arguably yeah, that's, which is that's like, their it's one of their biggest songs a, of all time gra- graduations at high schools use that to this day <laughs> yeah, yeah. canadian song. tire commercial last year made me cry it's the yeah. little kids it's sitting in a fucking treehouse. We talked right? about that, Chris. You and I on the last broadcast got emotional, yeah. brother. When we were talking I was about, I'm gonna cry, dude. Man. I was fuck. I'm I sitting don't there. Cry. I'm sitting there watching, and my daughter is literally like, like she's doing. She does that right to see if <laughs> if dad's gonna cry at the song that's coming up, kind of thing, right? And literally, he comes on and he's like, "This is ahead by a century. We love you all." And and that was it. And fucking halfway through the song, I'm literally. Yeah. Head buried in my eye, like like eyes buried in my hands. I can't yep. fucking see because I'm bawling my eyes out and yeah. telling my daughter I grew up with this man. Like I, yeah. he was yeah. my, he was my, and a lot of people say, how dare you fucking say this? But you know what? I don't give a fuck. He was my John Lennon. That's what I was, he was. just going to say. I knew right? you were going to say that. He yeah. was, no, he I would was agree. absolutely I would agree. my John Lennon. Yeah. And he you know, just you know, was, I, anyway, sorry, Rob. I was going to say, I found with this album, this is when I really had a struggle. Because I I was a fan of the band, I was fortunate to have done a number of shows with the band over the years. But I found like this was the part I was like, okay, I think I'm getting a little tired now. I think I'm getting a little tired because it was just like album after album after, and I, I admired the output, but it was just like, oh my god, here we go with another album and another album, and and I listened to it and I went, it's fine. It's okay. Maybe. And then when I heard Phantom Power, I thought maybe if they had taken those two albums and put them together and given them themselves like a three or four year break to just kind of, kind of just, ref- not that the writing was bad, just kind of refine it a bit. Like there was a little bit of, there was a little bit of extra stuff in some of those albums. I thought 
take some of this, you take some of that, you could have had yeah. a really good banger of an album. I'm, I'm aligned on that train of thought because there's a couple killers on each album. Yeah. There's a bunch of, I, I fucking kill mm-hmm. me now. I know everybody's going to shit on me. Filler. Yeah. And if it, it felt like filler to me. All right. So there yeah. I said it. It felt yeah. like there's some filler songs on there that I'm not interested in. Stuff that probably, but it's gonna, hit. but it's gonna happen. It's gonna it happen when you're touring constantly. That's and you're putting out an album every two That's years. Right. It is yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Stuff that probably was. It probably made its way off the cutting room floor back into a master. Is what I heard in that album. And this could brings be, yeah. back to what I said um, off air, and it poses mine. It's the Sophie's Choice, and it's also. Where where my I get my opinion on on bands like you too is where they jump the shark mm-hmm. and I really really felt there was a a potential of a shark jump for this album mm-hmm. and thankfully they recovered with Phantom I found yeah. I, like I I found Phantom to be a way better album than Henhouse like it just was in my I opinion. agree I agree with yeah. you on that um, I agree but, with you on that uh, it, but I like the Sophie's cho- I still wouldn't throw it out. I still would, no. I still would not discount this album at all. Like, it has a head by a century in springtime in Vienna. No, oh, you're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. you and took half of one. Shop. So what was the one? Sorry, and you took Chris, half of the other. Or Craig, Craig, what was the? Rob's the, got it. What What year did Handhelds come out, and then what year did Phantom Power? Ninety six so and then ninety eight. Ninety six. Yeah. Two years, same thing. Yeah, that's yeah. The, that's, that's what I'm tight, saying. Man. That's what I'm saying, Chris. You're they right. were doing ninety one, ninety two, ninety four, ninety six, ninety eight. Like it's like. Okay, the Beatles were able to pound that shit out in the sixties, but they were doing three minute pop songs and just bang, just bang, bang. It. And then they started getting into some more, you know, yeah. experimental. And the stuff. Beatles stopped touring. And the yep. Beatles didn't yeah. tour. That's right. They were I just studio band. I think maybe they should have took a minute and put mm-hmm. Hen House and Phantom Power together and had one album. They did fine. Every Rob. everybody. They did fine. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. They did, we they can't sit here. We can't just <laughs> sit here and make it a total blow up. Okay? But, but I need there to, to be I, some critique. So I need to be devil's advocate here for just, just okay. a second, if I might. So for me, personally speaking, three records that I thought were absolutely fantastic were The Unforgettable Fire, The Joshua Tree, and Rattle and Hum. I thought Rattle and Hum was a perfectly fine record. Oh, stop it. We and then this is about the hip. <laughs> again, no, but just to 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 bring that was to the beginning another of the sellout there. I said it. But for me, mm-hmm. this is the thing. So for me, Octoon Baby was absolutely perfect. I remember when they were a punk I agree. Band. Well, of course, everybody remembers when they were a punk band and they were a shit punk band. So they were a great like, punk band. No, they weren't. Dare you? No, they weren't. They were <laughs> a, a fucking horrible All right, what are you trying band. to say make the join the join the dots my Craig. point is my point is <laughs> for me i actually really enjoyed trouble at the hen house i thought that it was stylistically i thought it was great i thought that the songs made sense i thought that the album made sense i think that it wasn't necessarily their strongest record but when you're you think when Coke you're coming off was it's, a good song it's almost it's almost impossible when you're coming off of up to here fully completely in day for night yeah you're gonna crash you're right gonna, you're gonna run out of gas you know what i mean that goes back to i guess for I me i guess i just i don't think that i love this record i didn't i don't but think that goes did. back to what i said but what this about is my apprehension yeah. this is my fear that mm. they're gonna they're gonna flatline a little bit mm-hmm. and then figure it out mm-hmm. and there, uh, let's let's be honest there's some bangers off off trouble at the house 
you can't yes, absolutely can't absolutely I, but to me there's a bunch of filler in there that i give two shits about i'm being <laughs> candid and honest <laughs> so the funny thing is chris as you say two of the biggest songs in their canon two probably two of their top three songs in their canon Never. come from those two albums Bob i Cajun know so how weird is head that, by a right? century so we're wrong so, yeah. Oh, we're absolutely yeah, I guess wrong. We're, but, wrong. But, we're but a bunch Craig, of idiots. I'm wrong sure. most of the time. That's why <laughs> I say. Craig, that's why I say. Sorry, Dimitri. Yeah. So, Craig, do you think that the album gets too moody for you at times, or, or, I think, like maybe around to around the second I half? Think, I think it's kind of. Um, I think the record, for me personally speaking, has just some amazing bangers. I mean, like I said, it has a head by a century, which is. It's their song. I mean, it's it's absolutely it is the song that everybody from coast to coast that is a hip fan knows every fucking lyric, and it's the song that yeah. they end all their shows with. I just think that the record for me was the interesting thing about this too is this is only truly the second record where the only person writing lyrics was Gore Downey, um. Because he was the first record that he kind of introduced the idea that I'm not singing anyone else's material, I'm not singing anyone else's lyrics was a fully completely. But I think there was still kind of some residue that was left over that he may have like Sin- in. Sin- Sinclair is still exactly putting in some words, right. you yeah. know, so, like is, so those those types of things. But I think Dave Knight was officially the first one, and then this was really Gord. I think, I think personally speaking, lyrically, I think this is him really coming into his own as a fucking brilliant lyricist. Consequently, I think the Tragically Hip responded to that, and that's maybe why you get quite a, a moody album. That's that's my when opinion. Did, um, when did Coke Machine Glow come out? Uh, oh, that was, that, that was around, that was around 2000, 2001. Yeah. Okay. I'm just trying to re- figure out when Gord was like transcending a bit. Yeah doesn't matter we can move on yeah so anyway i okay so uh singles ahead by or, uh yeah sorry ahead by a century the single one uh april 22nd 1996 gift shop june 96 700 foot ceiling october 96 flamenco january 97 and may 1997 is this track for dimitri May 1997 brought us that single again over a year of singles. <laughs> April 22nd, 1996 to the last single from this record in May 1997. So that is so Trouble dis- at the Hen House. So despite any mild criticisms that we might have here in 2023, the album did okay. It, it was, it was perfectly fine. fine. It did okay. <laughs> heard that song so many times i know exactly when to turn the camera on and turn the mic back on <laughs> it was a great bathroom break song i will tell you that i will tell you that oh, yeah. like, i got eight minutes plus this is perfect i had mexican for well, lunch did, all right did everybody did every one of us just go to the bathroom during that song <laughs> let's not talk about that to me <laughs> 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 
Last of the incredible 90s period, recorded only at the Bathhouse, the band's studio in Bath, Ontario, about 25 minutes outside. Oh, sorry, Napanee, outside of Napanee. Uh, released July 14th, 1998. Literally produced one of their, well, actually, as far as I'm concerned, their biggest song in, uh, in Canada. The singles um, off of this, just a second, sorry. If I may, I'm just going to go through the singles off of this record because I think a lot of people have a lot to say about Phantom right. Power. I just, don't, which, I just don't know whether anybody wanted to say anything about Killer Whale Tank. Let me go through the singles and then we'll talk about Killer Whale Tank because don't forget we still have to get to the live albums by the oh, end. Oh, right? okay, 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 okay. <laughs> so yeah, right. the singles off of this, uh, the message on Wednesday. Craig G's Madness. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. After we have breakfast, we'll hit the live album, guys. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Poets, <laughs> Poets June 1998. Uh, something on uh, 98, uh, sometime in 98. Fireworks, November 98, Bob Cajun. Uh, February 98, uh, excuse me, 90, that would be 99. Uh, Escape is at Hand for the Traveling Man, uh, released sometime in 90, I think summertime in 99. Great tune. Uh, great freaking song, absolutely. Um, so this record, Chris, I think, was touching on this, if I'm not mistaken, and saying that this is kind of where talking about tunes like Poets, Bob Cage, and Fireworks, Vapor trails. Um, this is really Vapor where the, the, is great. This is really where the tragically hip kind of came back to form. I think for a lot of fans. Would would anyone say that? Yeah, I agree I with that. that. I would. This say was so. a big few. Like I, I was when this this album came. It was. Oh, thank God. <laughs> that yeah. was my right, thank I, God I, moment. I, I honestly like. All right, I know what I've said about Hen House. Um, that it was very moody and probably more moody than i was willing to handle but i wasn't worried i i, I wasn't I was. worried i was worried okay. about that jump the shark because you see it in every single band like they all get to a point where it's almost i think and thankfully the hip i i fail to say that they ever did where they they just they couldn't get over them their own selves and started producing just absolute garbage and it was self-serving stuff just be on on the back of the of them being successful the hip never got to that point. Thankfully for me, Gord did some solo stuff, uh, which was close to his heart, which I'm very proud of him for doing. But Not as a band, jam. as a collective themselves, I don't think it ever happened. I don't think they ever fell out of step. And I, I'm, it breaks my heart because I see bands, and, it, and I'm including local bands. I'm not going to name it right now um, that I absolutely love that are doing some really odd things now and wondering if hopefully they'll come back home at some point soon but the hip never never hit that for me so uh, that, that's why i thought for sure hen house was oh i'm gonna hold my breath and you're right it wasn't and, and in retrospect after hearing phantom it wasn't that bad you're like okay, okay. i get it now yeah can you kind of get it can you tell me the name of that band in a I facebook can. message I, I, uh, in a facebook yeah. message <laughs> I <can't laughs> <even> later <laughs> I, I think Power Craig will know who I'm talking about. about. Phantom Power. <laughs> First thing about Phantom Power is yes, it was the transition back up. And number two, now that I'm fucking around with the CD, it has the most stuff in it <laughs> from any. It does. It album. does. Like there's a whole thing in here. Like look at the size of this thing. Yeah. There's a whole the jacket. Yeah, it's wild. You kids, if there are any young people watching this, you can't buy these anymore. It was my first there's soft soft jacket CD as well. Here. 
that I ever bought was uh, handhelds was soft too. So was uh, uh live between us. Was it? Yeah, yeah. originally got like, them all right, right here. Right yeah. out, out For some reason, gate? I can't find my road apples. No. It's got to be. I know. Trouble at the uh, yeah, trouble at the handhelds was definitely not a jewel box. No, it was a. You know? it was a oh, okay, yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm yeah. misremembering. I just remember that one specifically because of how cool that that album are, and that's why it won. Like it won. Um best album design and best album that year, right? Yeah, this is soft. This is also the first yeah, knockoff soft, yeah. shirt I bought. So like there was <laughs> really? like 50 bucks for the shirt at the concert. And then there was some guy banging him out in his garage outside for 20 and I bought that. Thing. What was it called? Peril in the chicken. It was horrible. Man. Like, the fucking shirt flaked away in the dryer. Like it was all fucked up. It lasted like two weeks, but I saved 30 bucks I spent on beer after the concert. So I was happy about it. <laughs> totally worth it. I think this record for me was a saving grace in a lot of ways. I think for the hip again, I loved tra uh, Trouble at the Hen House because I just I adore this band, and that's not to you know, not to take away from anyone else's experience with with that record. But I think when I heard Poets for the first time, which is why I wanted to start talking about this record with that song. I don't know how many of you have been in the Canadian North. It doesn't matter what province you're from. But if any of you have been in the Canadian North, every single one of you has been in a house that is identical to the house that was used in the Poets video by the Tragically <laughs> Hip. Yeah, yeah. yeah like you're actually every, right. Every single person that's ever been up north to someone's cottage that's got those horrible fucking faux wood you know dude, uh, kitchen dude, cabinets dude, with like green dude. like green outline like green outline and like it's just it's just terrible but it's amazing i have a cottage like that good <laughs> for I've you for 50 years good we had for a place you, like Rob. that in yeah, the north in the do. bush of northern ontario good for okay you, Rob. let's do a <laughs> trivia question yes all right there are, to my knowledge and you guys are far more versed in radio than i am there are only two songs that have the word hockey in them ever one of them is stomping Tom Connor, uh -huh. and the other one is fireworks. She said she didn't give a fuck about hockey. I never saw someone say that before. It was the coolest line <laughs> ever yeah. mm -hmm. in my mind. But I don't know any other song ever written or recorded by any other artist that even have the word hockey in it. So if, <laughs> if you do, here's your chance. Hmm. I see there's a bunch of people Googling right now. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Maybe it. in the comments. Somebody must yeah. have mentioned hockey. Yeah. That, that that to me was like some hardcore rebound Canadiana back to back. Like it was just a cool song. And it's, it's it's not the greatest song off the album, but it's it has all my favorite hip songs are songs that have these very unique lines in them. Yeah. Yeah. That mm -hmm. even if it's not the, your favorite song, it's like, wow, did, yeah. did you just say that? That's well, pretty wild. And if it resonates with you, right? Long time running. Long, long time running. The, the best line I've ever heard that took me forever to figure out was, I'll drop a caribou and I'll tell drop on you. I'll tell yeah. on you. It's literally putting a quarter in a payphone, dropping but a no caribou. One, unless yeah. you're Canadian, and even half the Canadians would not pick that up. They didn't get up, it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Drop a caribou. I'll and tell on you. Tell on you. There yeah. it is. That's it in yeah. the bathhouse right there. That's that is fucking mm -hmm. amazing. So, just those kind of amazing. Lyrics. Yeah. Ryan shared that with me uh, today and was like, hey, if you're looking for some extra content, oh, and I'm like, dude, I'm always looking for extra content. Are you kidding me? 
That's I kind of want. So. I kind of want that to be the record jacket yeah, now. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. I yeah. kind of want that to. Okay. Like, and we go like. Okay. Uh, and, 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 and 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 how many times? How many times has somebody said to you, "Is this microphone phantom powered or not? Or do I need to? Uh, do I need an amp or a processor to put this through? Right. I hook my sure up to this <laughs> yeah. road thing. Like, does this need phantom power? Exactly. Like, how many people even know what the hell that means? Exactly. Well, I think the track we need to talk about off of this record hands down has to be bob cajun so yeah, yeah. oh for sure that their top three song, songs that song uh fucking hated it what i hated it <laughs> day one it. to today i still hate that song that are is being, just, are you being I'm, facetious no or? i'm being absolutely 100 genuine i can't stand it you know why maybe i would have liked it if i didn't hear it 900 mm. times it was, radio, yeah, it was pretty popular. It was pretty popular. Radio beat it to absolute. Yeah. Like, You're correct. You know what? He's already dead. It's stop. funny you say that, Ryan, because I think we can all be honest and say every band we 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 love, there is that one. Oh, yeah. You know, I could go through a list like I never have to hear. You know, um, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Do not ever need to hear that again in my life. Do not ever need to hear Bohemian Rhapsody. Do not ever need to hear. No satisfaction. Like there's those anything songs. by Bon Jovi. Right. Sorry, I said that out loud. I'm <laughs> sorry. I said that, bon I said that, I said that really point. quickly. Yeah. And that's no, actually Rob. one of the themes on this show I got coming up. Not to do a plug, but it's like no, bands that is. were killed off by their songs being played to death. Mm-hmm. And and don't and don't get me wrong, maybe in twenty years from now, yeah. if I was to actually listen to Bob Cajun, I'd probably like it. Because there are songs today that I do that from the nineties that I'll hear again now and be like, That's a that was a pretty it's, mm-hmm. I remember hating that song for years. Here's a flip side to that. My wife is not a very big Tragically Hip fan. The one song she likes, Bob, Bob Cajun. Cajun. Bob Cajun. <laughs> Unbelievable. I did, I, so I'm from, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even know what Bob Cajun was. I had to Google it, and it's a park. Okay, got it. It's, no, it's, it's a, a small it's town. A town. It's, a, it's a small it's town. A cottage, it's a it's a provincial town. park, too, isn't it? No. No? No, it's a, it's a town. My, yeah. fa- my, father, my father's actually from there, so... Well, I, I, I know I know Bob Cajun in I, I know that town intimately. It's affectionately <laughs> referred to as the yeah. Bob here in Ontario. Yeah, okay. All You're right. Going to the Bob. Everybody's well, going to the Bob. Thank you guys for that. I thought so, it was a park. No, no. It's a great place though. No, it's all it's a wonderful town on the uh, Trent Severn uh, mm-hmm. um, waterway. So, okay. So Ryan doesn't See, like her? this tune and that's fucking yeah. absolutely most insane fucking thing I've heard in my entire fucking life but wow. Yeah, fucking deal with it. Wow. <laughs> that's fucking insane, that, dude. Fuck. Back to you. Yeah, Chef yeah, Ryan see, Lindley's fucking mix on uh Revolution Radio isn't going to have any fucking tragically yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh Steve no. Herman says uh that <laughs> He spent 12 years with his ex's family at that trailer park near the arena in Bob Cage. I know it well. I know it well. Mrs. Yes. Mrs. Lindley says it's, it's Mrs. Actually, Lindley says I used to go camping there every year. It's a town, a small, small yeah. town. My yeah. God. Well, I'm with Lindley. I liked it the first 400 times they played it. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, so. OK, OK, <laughs> fucking dial it back here, you bastards. All right. So <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, my uh, all I can say is my dad literally lived and everybody that knows Bob Cajun. Uh, knows exactly what I'm talking about. My dad literally lived six houses away from from Kawartha Dairy, so you know where he lived. Oh Ooh, yeah. Nice. Um. So, um, Bob Cajun is single handedly probably one of their biggest tunes. Um, just like Rob says, one of their top three for sure. Now, for me, I completely adore this song. It's one of those songs I could fucking hear 
a million times and never get sick of. Um, I just, for me, Bob Cajun by the Tragically Hip feels like the Tragically Hip. I don't, I don't know how else to say it. I just, there's certain, like certain bands have a song that feels like them. And I think the reason I adore, we talked about you too, because we've done a round table with these guys, but the, the song that makes you two feel like you two to me is Red Hill Mining Town. So the Beatles, uh, something, a day in the life, you know, there's just, there's certain songs that have been played six billion times by a band. I will literally never, ever tire of. So I'm literally the mm-hmm. 180 on a coin from my pal Ryan Lindley, and we take the piss out of each other, and he's not wrong, mm-hmm. and neither am I. I. It's just, it's one of those things that for me, Bob Cajun absolutely is that quintessential song that just feels like the hip. Rock if down. I so, and also down you can't, for me for that one. And also, you can't, you can't really blame a band for radio, air, radio overplay, no. you know? No, it's the but, programmer's uh, decision. It's it's all about it's all about ratings and programming decisions, right? Yeah, mine's opiated. You know, I mean, the thing about that song too is, it does, as you say, it does everything they do perfectly. Mm-hmm. The band jams at different tempos, different like the guitars are offset just that little bit in a few chords, a few places. The storytelling, going back to you know, thirty-eight years, going back to. Um, we kings. Uh, kings it's all the storytelling it's yeah. it's telling a great it's an old folk Absolutely. song it's the old folk That's song fair. style yeah. right Can't so it goes all the way yeah. through that and for my own personal reference where did i watch the last tragically hip show at the horseshoe tavern standing on the checkerboard floors yeah uh, <laughs> oh that's a thing mm-hmm. oh yeah. yeah there's a bar in toronto called the horseshoe tavern it's like yeah. it's yeah. like the cbgb's of, of toronto mm-hmm. it's like yeah. everybody plays there it's a small little place that's where i saw the strokes for the first time yeah been there 75 years and can so that, and it's got historical it's got it's got historical significance and then they says you know on those the, the band played on you know those checkerboard floors and the floor is white and red or white and black checkerboards yes wow okay I didn't and it's know interesting that. too yeah. I, I love i love the fact too that they bring their old friend from um, oh yeah Hugh dillon. Hugh dillon you know as the man who's you know stepped the video stepped to the mic and sang with that Aryan twang yeah. it's just like it's just mm. there's so many wonderful things about it and the great thing and there are allusions again, to that song before i forget craig before i forget there are allusions to the christy pitts riot i was just gonna yeah, say you know yeah, that's yeah. where it comes into it as well yeah right mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i i i just because I, i'm a good you know northern boy ontario northern boy and i just i have roots in that uh being metis and being ojibwe and all of that wonderful stuff i uh the north is very strong in me so at every time i hear bob cajun and i see gord downey walk up those steps in his cop uniform and you know got back to your house this morning just a little after nine and he walks up and you know in the middle of that riot i couldn't get you off my mind fuck oh like i mean i just everything about it you know his his girlfriend i guess at the time she swings open that door that everybody that's ever been up in the Canadian North has heard go, <laughs> you know, it's, it's that, it's that sound that everybody knows walking up to a Northern house um, and the slam and the slam behind you and the propane <laughs> tanks on the side of the house. And like yeah. Everything about it. It just feels for me. It's just the absolutely Bob Cage. And I think I'd probably have to say is my 
favorite tragically hip song ever wow now now and that's, that's, not, yeah, and that's not and that's oh, not for but me there's to personal say. there's personal there's personal tie into that there yeah. is there's it's, there's there's personal feelings nostalgia about, yeah about that song that just that hit me so hard that every time you know ahead by a century grace to gift shop i mean the intro as far as i'm concerned aside from uh u2's where the streets have no name gift shop is one of the greatest rock and roll intros of all time ever you know okay with with that beautiful those incredible hammond organ like swirl chords and and just that you know that beautiful love like you know it's just it's incredible it just oh it makes the hairs on my arm just go whap and just go up yeah when it's live it's even more oh it's, it's crazy. insane it's absolutely crazy yeah. but it's just yeah there's something about bob cajun for me that just gets me I guess it's because it's where my dad is from and, and all of those, you know, wonderful things. It's just, it, it absolutely gives you the warm fuzzies. Feels, yeah. It absolutely feels like Bob Cajun sure. because I know Bob Cajun intimately and it feels like the tragically. Yeah. So anyway, that's all. Yeah. Well, they never wrote a song about Esther Hazy, Saskatchewan. So I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Poughkeepsie, New York. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, so sing one about Skajakwita County. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they're North, no, they're totally North Tonawanda. They've got reference. They've got references to Cape Spear. They've got, but like they, they're an Ontario band. They have like, they have a goodbye out of Wapiscat on now for plan a nice. Yeah. So, nice. So, but, uh, anybody else want to talk? You go about ahead and that? try and rhyme something with that. <laughs> yeah well that was the, that was a classic leave that to thing. Downey. Leave, leave that to Downey. that was yeah, one of the yeah. classic things about bob cajun it was one of the only words that rhymed with constellation so that was where and it doesn't yeah and it doesn't <laughs> but it does exactly so anybody else want to um, say anything about phantom power um well about bob cajun i just i just found this interesting uh there's a there's a youtuber that i like named crash thompson and uh he has a whole episode on his youtube channel about uh how to get into the tragically hip and the, the 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 thing that i find interesting about him is that he's from indianapolis he's american and i was just like what does an american have to say about the tragically hip and he absolutely adores this band you know My friends in pittsburgh that are the same they're hardcore mm-hmm. fans yeah brentwood pa i yeah. find that fascinating yeah so anyway he and like when he got to phantom power he said he 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 singled out Bob Cajun. He says, this is not only one of my favorite hip songs. This is one of my favorite songs. Mm-hmm. And I thought, nice, nice. So uh, I I love I love Bob Cajun. Um, I don't think I don't think it's my. And I can understand how it's somebody's favorite hip song. It's not for me. I, I think maybe it's the overplay yeah. or maybe. But I do think that I do think I what the one thing I like about the song is that there's a simplicity to it mm-hmm. um, and it's very relaxed and it it's and it and it seems to have just exist fully formed as itself, like in its perfect form. So what Dimitri's trying to say is it has a beautiful personality. It does. <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's, but it, it's like so the thing for me is. Again, you could say, what's your favorite hip song? It's like, what's your favorite hip album? It, it doesn't, it's not like yeah. that for me with that band. How it is for me is what's the mood and feel I'm in. Yeah. And that, that, mm-hmm. that there's a song that resonates with me. Maybe 
I'm in a shitty mood or I don't know. Maybe it's nautical disaster one day. Maybe it's thugs the next day. Maybe it's grace two. Maybe it's opiated. I don't know. It t- depends on how I'm feeling. Like, so what if you, if you said, what's your favorite hip song that shifts with the mood and feel of, of where I'm at. That's and I interesting. Think Bob yeah. Cajun no, fits that point. space. Yes. I'm beating. I'm, I'm, it was beat to death on the radio, but I'll park that. Cause when it came out, when you first heard it before radio beat it to death, you're like, wow, that's, that's something we've, we haven't heard before since like 38 years old or we Kings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I get that. Yeah. But for but you, me, you, it's you, like, you spin tunes to match your mood or do you yeah. spin tunes to set your mood? Um, a little bit of both, but I think when I pick a hip song or album and picking an album is impossible, it, oh, it's, yeah. it's where, where am I feeling? And then that song suddenly re-resonates from back when it, you know, when it came out or when it, you remember a moment in time in your life. And then going, going back to what Craig said about his dad being Bob Cage and that mm-hmm. really resonates with him. Is there a certain songs, depending on where I'm at in my headspace, that come out that might not the next day? It might be something else. So that's I find it. That's I why it's it such so- an amazing band for me because it's not five, you know, top forty songs that yeah, that's the greatest song ever. New Orleans is sinking so awesome. It's never like that. It's always about oh, it, it and it could be deep where it jumps out because that's where I'm at at that time. I find it so interesting the way people treat music when it comes to that and how they tailor it and, and what they do. And I think the hip was one of those bands that was able to, and, and it, like you say, it resonates. It depends on if you're setting a mood or if you're following or you're riding mm-hmm. a wave of a mood. Yeah. And they had a song for everything and you didn't even have to understand what the hell Gord was saying. Mm-hmm. You just knew it. And it's, it's, it was almost well, just like the cadence, yeah. the feeling and, 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 and what was, and then later on you figured out what the actual meaning of the song was. You're like, well, I was totally wrong, but mm-hmm. that's not how I feel about it. And you, you just hold on to your, your, your warm fuzzies. Like, like Craig was saying about like, you know, he's got that, yeah. that warm feeling about, about Bob Cajun and it's something special to him. So I, I just, I find people's journey in, in music fascinating. You're, it's, you're, personal so your bob cajun story reminds me of like subdivisions from rush mm. when i hear that song and i see the video i am transported back to being a teenager because we used to get in the car and drive downtown from the suburbs to go downtown in toronto and cruise young street and go to the movie theaters and go to the pizza places and go to the video stores my brother and, used to do that. and you know like you know what i mean and like hearing those songs you know yeah. hearing the lyrics growing up you know the high schools the outcast all that it's just like to me, it is their definitive song for for who I am, and you hear it, and it just like nothing else matters. That song speaks to who to who you are. I can't believe you just said that because two things. Number one, I grew up at Birch Mountain Finch, so Lamoureux, where <laughs> Lamoureux right High yeah, School, yeah. Lamoureux yeah. High School, like the, 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 high school. the high school halls. My wife yeah. taught at Lamoureux. And I grew up literally six blocks away from Lamro. And then, of course, I think we need to do a deep dive on Rush, boys. I think we're going to have to do that. So <laughs> Count me out. Yeah, I was just going to say, I've, I'm busy that day. Okay, that's fine. No worries. <laughs> um, so uh, where are we here? Oh, hang on a sec. Here we go, guys.
Escape is at hand for the traveling man. Uh, is the name Sounds like a train. So fucking It's track 11 on the album. So I Phantom Power. I have a funny story about Great that song. song. It just popped into my brain. So the instrumental part that you hear in the beginning of that song was live at a concert. And I honestly think Gord might had to have go use the facilities because that instrumental went on for like nine minutes. And he walks back on stage and grabs the mic and he looks a bit disheveled. I'm like, that guy just went for a dumper. You can 100% get percent. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's a song you can get traffic. I just weather, remember that right now. And I'm traffic telling you that weather is exactly promo, what was happening. Um, Mm-hmm. contest and uh yeah your your five day in there uh in the in the intro of that song before you even get close to a post yeah, the vocal, like, the i vocal remember because i did see way and i was watching thing. the band and they were like looking around we're like where the fuck did he just go man <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they just kept going and going and we're all like well should we go grab a beer feels like an interlude song somebody loop this like, he, so we can leave fucking ninja smoke bombed out boom gone so your five-day forecast for the next week. <laughs> we're looking at cloudy tomorrow, showers for Tuesday. Wednesday, we're not exactly sure what's happening. Definitely <laughs> springtime weather, though, this week. Have it up. 25 is high on Sunday. DPP's Listen. backed up. 401. You might want to take the 407 if you don't <laughs> Listen for the sound of the jet after Boston's yeah, more than a feeling. This was a request from Jane. Jane later, they're just sitting there playing that fucking instrument jane from newmarket requested this song jane sent us in her entire life story which i will now reiterate to you. Yeah, right. i'm a benefit to anybody <laughs> thank you lachlan cross oh that's great no that's absolutely it yeah for sure uh coming up after uh the next break we're looking at uh, whoa of course we got something we're gonna give away boston's more than a feeling listen for the sound of the jet it's the phrase that pays that's right (laughs) that's right and coming up next we got a fox in the box for five (laughs) bucks no sorry that was my strip joint gig sorry about that oh yeah Uh, yeah. that was when i worked at bunnies uh that's why and that's why craig likes so hard done by because he was banging that song out to strippers back in the day right like you were gentlemen put your hands together for somebody else's daughter coming up next next, we got the lovely candy boys put your hands together she's in her ninth year of med school here to pay it off Will she ever finish? We have no idea. Fox in the box for five bucks next. All right. Oh, okay. So we're losing interest. Yeah, in people. absolutely. No, people are like, what the hell? They're like, we're dropping Craig off. This talking is done. About- okay. So I think Phantom Power were probably good with that record. It was absolutely fucking awesome. Aside uh, from Bob Cage and yeah, Vapor Trails, hands down, easily my favorite, uh, my second favorite song. That's a great tune. Fucking amazing. Now. Let's talk about a couple of live records, shall we? So, the first one. Ugh, I'm going to have to go back in the... Uh, I have here we some go. Note, have go some ahead. Notes on live go ahead, Ryan. Ryan. Go right ahead. Let's go back, let's go back to Live Between Us. Right yeah, there. Let's start with that. Oh, that okay. was um, All right. November 23rd, 1996, Kobo Arena in Detroit, Michigan. Very interesting that both of their live records, by the way, that they gave to... Canadians were recorded in the United States, but anyway, that's 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 besides the point. Well, no, 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 hang on. It's just so we're explicitly clear here. 
that that the production was recorded in Detroit. They recorded through a, a bunch of arenas and agreed that that was the night. Yeah, like where they just hit it. Yeah, they didn't just go in that day and say, "Right, yeah. we're going to record this one." Like they exactly. recorded the tour and they went. I'm just that's take, the show. I'm just taking the piss. It's all. Good. I know. I know. I'm but it is the ironic. Piss out of the trash. It, it is it, right. It, it is. It is the most yeah. ironic thing. Right. And may, and maybe it even comes down to the fact that you know sometimes it's hard playing to your hometown crowd. Yeah, of hometown it probably fans. Probably is because yeah. the expectations yeah. were so much higher. Mm-hmm. Got to tell you, apparently it was it was hard playing to the Markham crowd when I was there, and uh, they were throwing water bottles at my friend Daniel Lanois. Shame on you. Anyway, right. sorry, just gonna, Ryan, I'm go just ahead. Gain, I'm just going to gain. Hold this up and say that to me, this is the integral. That's, that's a fantastic. That's, piece. Live, yeah. that's, that's the integral that's the live live experience. I thought at, I had at, everything till now. Probably at an HMV. That's a pe- that, that honestly, I would agree. I that is better. That is better. It, it, than, this is than, uh Dimitri is holding up that night in Toronto from the from two thousand and five. It's a DVD. Yeah, it's a DVD. But you so can get audio you can get and it on the, visual on Amazon. You can get it on the streaming services. Like you can stream yeah. it off of okay. Spotify yeah, and iTunes. Yeah. And just so we know, Rob Johnson was not working at HMV in 2005. So <laughs> I can assure you of that. He was at the radio station with me. Anyway, sorry, Ryan, uh, go ahead. Buddy. You've got some, uh, we, got some notes for Roxy, or are we moving on? No, for live. Did you? you know, I thought you were going to talk about live. No, I had the, no, no. I had the no, I had notes for uh, Roxy. That's all. Oh dear. So I have nothing for. But I'm just kidding. It's okay. I'm good. We're good, man. Uh, so this is the first full length album live between us is the first full-length live album by this band now let's go through the track listing okay so i think for both of the live records we need to talk about the track listing similarities but differences here we go track listing the live between us uh released uh, 1997 grace two track one fully completely two springtime in vienna three four twist my arm five gift shop Six ahead by a century. Seven, the luxury. Eight, courage. Nine, New Orleans is sinking. Ten, don't wake daddy. Eleven, scared. Twelve, blow it high dough. And thirteen, nautical disaster. Excuse me, nautical disaster. Now the wherewithal is track fourteen. So, someone was saying, I think it might have been Chris was saying that basically this was essentially the best of of the tragically hip up to this. I think up to that point. point. I mean, I remember for me, this is the most. Now, just understand where I'm coming from here. Exciting mm. album because it was their first like live mm-hmm. thing, right? And it was going to be the culmination of the previous albums, which were fucking rock star albums. And it's between Trouble at the Hen House and Phantom yes. Power, right? And That's I their put it first in, live record. I remember dropping it into, the, and I still have the same stereo downstairs. Um, and Grace Two is the first track, and when you hear it live and you hear that bass and that crowd and the banger it's you just like oh my mm. god this is gonna be out of this world yeah. and i listened to it end to end on repeat probably like for days like it was just i'm like this because i'd seen them live we'd all seen them live up to yeah. that album yeah. Yeah. it's done like too. now you've got a, a, a properly mastered and recorded album yeah that's a they, live album that's really going to capture the essence of the band live when they're in their environment and they're at their best arguably at their best yeah. 
and they're you're two, getting two roadside you're getting all of those down. previous albums now mm-hmm. kind of mashed together so that if, if 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 okay here's the thing if you were gonna like you're on a desert island you get to pick one what's it gonna be i'm taking that album with mm-hmm. okay okay yeah, i'd probably have to take if that's the case you're right i'd probably have to take your favorites yeah i mean what do you yeah, guys yeah, yeah, to, well, yeah, okay, yeah that's yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But the yeah. thing is is like I think it's more fun to remove live albums and, and greatest hits albums from. Yeah, but you can only pick one. We're saying I totally understand Dimitri's res- yeah. perspective Same. on that, but I mean that album to me because because all the previous albums up to that point were so good, and that came out, and I'm like, oh, I couldn't wait for that. Even just the jacket, looking at it, like, yeah. well, that the other thing about it is. I mean, come on, man. You're like, you know, it's going to bang. You know, it is. Cause I just want a sweaty gourd, a sweaty gourd. The thing about it too, Chris is like, there are two roadside attractions under their belts. They're a nationwide arena tour under their belts by that yeah, time. They're polished. People have said they're polished. They're refined oh, yeah. and it, and you know, the band is one thing on album and it is a total different beast. 100% life. a different and, album. And mm-hmm. you're right. This album captures, it captures the, kind of their zeitgeist moment of their career like like i it, agree with that i think at that point it was like we're, now we're at the top and that we also you know afterwards there was scattered moments of of good and great yep but at that point in time you would just come off you you, you know you hadn't jumped the shark I, they never did jump a shark but as you said Three. chris you were getting to the point you were like oh shit i don't i don't know how i, I feel scared. about what's coming next yeah but if this is where we're going out on a high note, I'm all in. Oh, no, yeah. that 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 like yeah. I was so fucking amped yeah. up for that album when it came out. Like I, I, I don't know if I lined up. Whatever, I got it. And I'm like this is gonna be it. This is putting every the culmination of your successes that drove you to where you are today. I get to hear it on a perfectly mastered live album. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the thing is, like it is, they were such a tight unit at this point hmm. you know and gourd and and you get all the stream of consciousness gourd you get all the you get all the like all the gourd eccentricities in there and like it is it is a perfect representation of that um one thing i will say is that um i i think that the killer whale tank version is the best version the best recorded version of New Orleans is sinking. So live between us, yeah. I'd live between us. Doesn't have that. No. So there was but, another one. Can I, I be the fly in the ointment again? Cause I had all these bootleg pirated fucking songs back then. And there was a different version of New Orleans is sinking. It wasn't killer world tank, but it had its own thing to it. And I can't remember what, it was. but it was fucking wicked. Mm-hmm. You're you, all right. Be the fly in the ointment, Ryan. <laughs> just a question. Just, just and I want to ask you guys, you guys are music bowl. guys. You know how this works. Strategically, from a business standpoint, in, in an artist's uh, trajectory, mm-hmm. where do live albums and best ofs land? Best albums will land in two places. They'll end. Um, no, land. Land. They land? They'll land. They'll, in in land the timeline. It, of the in the artist. timeline? Okay. One way a greatest hits album will land is end of contract. Mm-hmm. They're ended, they're done with a record label and they're moving on to the next thing. Or it'll end at the point where they know the band is still produced. I, I mean, I'm just I'm just 
um, pontif- I'm just theoretically coming up to this answer. There'll come a point when the band has, they know the band is still under contract. They're still going to be putting out things, but they can capitalize and they may be between albums. And they're like, let's put out a couple of greatest hits albums. Let's get some, let's keep the momentum going here. Or, and we've got, you know, a, a, a tremendous catalog that we can, we can just keep pushing forward. And I think I don't know this for certain, but it wouldn't surprise me if in contracts are written in after X number of albums, we can release best ofs or live albums and that. I, I don't know, but I, I just for what I see with bands, it wouldn't surprise me if there was something put in there that we're going to put out a greatest hits, but it doesn't count against your commitment to the label. I just right? think, I think the conversation that we've had over and I wasn't a part of the first show, but I heard the first show and it was great. Um, but up to this point, the most we'll say quote unquote controversy for the lack of a better term here has been between the last two albums we spoke about. And ironically, and coincidentally, I guess a live album popped into the middle of those two. And I'm wondering if it wasn't insurance, if it wasn't an insurance play. That's a great question. Mm-hmm. That is actually a really good point because what they're doing because is reintroducing some of their classic their stuff. I from know up to here like right now. And fully completely. Exactly. I've, yeah. I forgot that it came out between those two albums. Yeah, it yeah. came out between right Phantom Power the- and uh, and and Trouble at the Hen House. Yeah, yeah. But I, if I was MCA though, if I if I was MCA, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have had that much concern about Trouble at the Hen House's commercial performance at all. Like uh, there wasn't really a dip in album sales. There wasn't. Oh God, no. Ahead uh, by a century went to number one in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um. There wasn't really live ticket sales. There could have been a lot of conversations within the band saying, "Everybody loves us live. You guys are great live. Can we put together a live album? You guys are. Can we? Can we put something out? Like, who knows how these discussions happen in the background? And it could very well be. And I agree with that because I I think about other bands that have released live albums, and from a timing perspective, leaving. The in between Phantom Power and Hen House. The, that was the time. Like you are at your fucking peak. This is where you need to get that live album out. Okay. And put it together. So, like, would you would everybody agree that is there would there have been a better or worse time for them to release that? Two albums later would have been bad because it would have been like you're mm-hmm. just trying to recop mm-hmm. you recoup everything. But the timing for that to come out to me was like absolutely. So maybe I'm looking at it backwards. Then maybe it was. I don't know. Yeah, I don't timing. I don't. I don't even know about that, Ryan. I mean, one thing I would say is it harkens back to a lot of things that what you guys were saying about uh, about trouble at the hen house was that day for night was such a strong record coming off the back of something like fully completely, and then trouble at the hen house kind of comes out and is sort of that record which produces some great tracks like gift shop or head by a century but it's not fully completely it's not day for night it's not up to here so now what you have a record is which is almost kind of bridging a bit of a gap so you say to yourselves okay what's the best way to bridge a gap let's come out with a best of record or let's come out with a live a live album yeah right that's a good point and and then conspiracy that way ryan that's a very good point Interesting theorist in me uh, could also say that fully completely that uh, title 
then there's trouble at the hen house and now we're sucking on phantom power i'm just mm-hmm. saying oh wow you're digging you know, deep you're digging deep i'm thinking now. like gord would think here and uh yeah maybe they need I a mean, live album as a parachute at the end of the day the hip was the hip is a incredibly rare band in that they never left the record label right mca yeah. universal it all became the same thing they yep. never left they never lost the label in canada Mm-hmm. which I, there aren't many bands that have ever had that happen. I mean, MCA got swallowed up by Universal. But sure. Yeah, yeah. But, but Universal's not going to let them go. No way. You know what oh, I mean? God, no. Mm-hmm. So, so my thinking is they could have been part of a contract that could have been written in there. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they said, hey, let's put out a live album. You know, maybe they thought it would be an EP at first, like under Blood Red Sky kind of thing. We'll put that out. We'll see what happens. But then it just, it went from there and they, they put out a bigger thing. I have no idea. But It's no. an interesting thing, though. I mean, I, I, I guess from the conspiracy theorist side, not, not that I'm saying that's what Ryan's saying. Is it a parachute? Because to me, it was like, no, this was due. This is the perfect time to accentuate those two to albums. fucking bang yeah. that out when everybody yeah. loves them live because mm-hmm. we all know we said it 20 times tonight the, the hip experience live is is not the same as like the no album. other yeah. like no other so, so rob you capture if you can capture that perfectly and, and put it together which they did in that album in my opinion mm-hmm. that timing was bang on but but rob are you are you sort of guessing that a live album might have been a requirement in their contract i i don't know i don't know how i don't know if live albums are ever put into contracts i have no yeah. idea um but it, you know th- there's there's a whole way of thinking they, they could have just thought let's put one out like i say I just, like, as I you think say that we've was, got the momentum yeah, let's I, just put one out i think there was that that lull that they may have had with trouble at the hen house and when you put out a live record it's going to take away it's going to pull away from that lull right and but they would have had it and this is the thing they would have had that tour planned and they would have had that record planned mm-hmm. prior to looking at like late numbers of hen house so i think i might be with rob a little more a little bit i think on the fact that it might have been a build-in because they probably said okay we're coming off this one let's go on tour play the hits Play the ones from the new stuff, and then we're gonna we're gonna record it all, and we're gonna put it put out that yeah that in the middle, right? And I just think because if you look at the way it takes to time a, a record out, I, I think it might have been a little too hasty to say, "Oh shit, we're panicking, and we need to put out a live album." So that's well, a live albums. Question. A live album's not easy to do. No. Do you guys know? <laughs> no. Does anybody know when it was recorded from when it was released? Which oh. one? Live well, between us. It would have been recorded. It would have been recorded in '96, I think. Yeah, because Roxy was '91, late '96. Yeah. So, okay. like, like we're talking. They already did a live, like, or or they recorded. Roxy. So when did okay? And Handhouse came out when again? '96. Right. So they had and already. This was recorded. the back end. So this was had, the back end of the, the tour. Material. Now they're talking about whether they're going to compile it and release it. Yeah, this was the back end of the tour okay mm-hmm. all right yeah and that was the thing too sense. there was there was a few tracks off of that that were from trouble at the hen house and that was that's yeah, true essentially yeah. the record that they were touring at the time yeah so um so i think let's just touch on live at at the roxy um here just really quickly i think we do need to touch on it because again this is the only hip album i don't own 
It's uh, 31 years from the time, it, or yeah. 30 something years from the time it was recorded but, to the time it was released. It's, it's kind of stunning. Did anybody, Amazing. anybody by any chance have uh, Hippopotamus, the box set? Anybody have that? Not me. No. Not that me. the 30th anniversary? I do. Downstairs, yeah. Is that the, the anniversary edition one that has so, yeah. Roxy included? Big oh, no, that's Road Apples. Oh, yeah. Road Apples had um, Dimitri. What the 30th, was that? Um, the 30th anniversary. Box Dimitri, Dimitri talked about it on the last. Saskadelphia? Saskadelphia was also yeah. uh, released around that time as well, too. So we're talking about live at the Roxy. So the release date of this was. June 24th, uh, 2022. Correct. Standalone. But it was recorded May 3rd of 1991. So this was recorded right. maybe six months before. Five months before Nirvana's Nevermind was released. So mm-hmm. it's interesting that this yeah. Canadian rock band plays at the Roxy Theater in Los Angeles and has a banger of a show, so much including so, the, including the Killer Whale Tank, so much so wait. that they have to release it. And they never did the Killer Whale Tank at Massey Hall or the AC. Well, it's, 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 right. it's a spontaneous right. so thing. I, I understand that. Again, I understand that. But what I'm saying one of our is, li- is one of our listeners on Twitch says, uh, named Sweet About Me, says Killer Whale Live was the master poet Gordy at his finest. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you. that's, that's a, ooh, that, it's hard to argue because to me, well, to me, I don't think that anybody in the hip wants to repeat themselves. Is inter- is that interest in repeating themselves? And like, and something like the killer whale tank, that's lightning in a bottle. You're going to get that once. Yeah. 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 Great. Yeah. Well, and you a, listen to one and done. You're not going to get that on the circuit. No. He's going to do it. No, no, no. He's going to change it up every time and do what he feels. You listen to any, any, uh, long, long standing artist will talk to you about, um, playing their hits and how they just zone out when they play their hits. Billy Joel's got a great story about, uh, uh, one of his, uh, one of his love songs that he wrote for one of his ex-wives where he's saying he's singing it, but in his head's like, I wonder what's on the room service menu. Should I get onions on my burger? Cause I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to have to, I'm going to burp. Yeah. I don't know if I should do that. Like he talked about it and it's true. Gord wouldn't allow himself to get bored by his own music. Yeah. No, and and that's why when you when you saw them live, you saw a different band every single show. You know, exactly. like it was so good. Like uh, he was he was he was very unique, and um, he kept you I- involved because some people will go off on a tangent, and you'd be like, "What the fuck is this? Just play the goddamn song." But hip fans are there Never for happened. the tangents. That's yeah. We're there for the no, tangents. That's what I mean. You're, it's like a, you're look, waiting. Look, you're you're waiting, waiting for what, yeah. where he's going to go in exactly. a certain part of a song. Mm, you know yeah. it's coming. It's oh. like I said last show, the most requested song I remember in the early 90s when I did the all request shows, produced them, was the Killer Will Tank because you yeah. couldn't get it. It was a radio-only single. And I've often wondered how it came about, that show. And then I thought about it recently. Back in the day, you know, you, you, radio stations and whatnot and, and, and live recording places used to just record bands coming into town. I mean, there's CFNY recordings of bands from the 80s and, not, you know, all throughout the 80s. You'd look at like OMD and all these bands, the police, whatnot, they come to play Toronto. They play like the Horseshoe where they play the Elmo Combo where they play any band like that. And there was the live wire recording. Dub and Clement would go out and he'd rec- they would record all these shows. A number of them would get played back live on air and a number of them are just sitting on 
on vaults and tapes. Wild. To me, Roxy is probably like one of those things like, you know, bands come through town recording, you know, it's LA. They're yeah. going to record anybody who comes through. They just record it. They put it, Hey guys, here's your, here's your album. And, and they probably listen to it when some fucking really good shit in there. What can yeah, we yeah. do with this? I'm trying to remember <laughs> you know? his, uh, his, his, his other tangent songs outside of new Orleans. And I think hundredth Meridian was another one where he would go in a different yeah. direction nautical yeah. disaster he would nautical go yeah. Yeah. Disaster. Disaster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. sweet Already sweet about me brings up highway girl uh that that oh, he would i remember like recording to that okay craig i should no, have said grace that. i want yeah. highway girl double suicide like that's the fucking shit to me man i love yeah. that mm-hmm Listen, and I've, got I, and a, I've got a track to I've got a track to play here for uh, our pal Ryan Lindley. He asked for this song. That track was asked for by Dimitri, who I'm sure we'll probably have something to say about it in just a second. By the way, Michelle, thank you for joining us here on Revolution Radio and Canadian as fuck. Please do us a favor. Subscribe to our Twitch channel, please. And thank you. <laughs> please subscribe. Chris, I want you to, I want you to do something when, you're, when we're done this. I want you to go onto, the, uh, onto Spotify or go onto Apple Music and look for the 2021 Road Apples reissue. Right. I think on there is a live album from the Horseshoe that they recorded at the Horseshoe. Oh yeah, fully yeah. completely has that. Is it fully completely that has it? Fully completely had the deluxe. The deluxe fully completely has an entire second disc done at the Horseshoe. Okay, that's the one. Then. Really, yeah, with okay. hilarious, hilarious it. song introductions from Gord. Where he just makes up absolute nonsense. This is a song about sucking your own penis, and like, <laughs> like and, and then goes in, and then goes into like looking for a place to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so those uh, th- those releases, those ones, those those um, special edition ones, like this, this killed me. This is the acoustic version of Little Bones, the intro. just so like I, I love when they do this stuff like what this this gets me that. going I, like, I don't know what i get more excited about re-releases or new releases sometimes where did you find that that's on um uh amazon music right now that just look for look for tragically hip like remastered stuff or re- so is it like it's, so is re- it like a deluxe issue or something guy. it's like a, yeah there's uh there's there's a ton ton of good uh that's fucking i never heard that yeah. I thought oh I yeah everything mm-hmm 
But uh, Fiddler's Green. There's an alternative version of Fiddler's Green, which is my favorite hip song. Let's do it again. It's another one of those. Like like Craig, you have a personal connection to a song. Can we go again, Bruce? So great song. Yeah. So like, I just, I just love, cause I always wondered like in the, yeah. in the original release, it was just the one, two, and then they yeah. played You're like, yeah. but what the hell were you doing right before, before that? that? Yeah. <laughs> that's what is that, is that on the, is that on the road apples uh, deluxe edition? Yeah. edition? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's, yeah. That's, you're going to want to do some digging into the, into so the, I'm Apple music to, and the Amazon. I don't even know about these deluxe editions, remastered editions. Yeah. Like I just have. They're in there. Right they exist. Yeah, they're. Uh, it's the internet. It was the Beatles. Love- the Beatles actually were one of the first sort of groups to start doing all of these like deluxe re editions and stuff. It, one of the things I loved the most about uh, you know hearing all the Beatles stuff, like the early stuff, was like. The banter yeah. in between songs, like hearing that great Liverpool accent of like was amazing. Like, you know, I'm giving up the business and all of a sudden <laughs> all of a sudden they break in to get back or whatever. It's like yeah. you know, a lot of these bands have started doing that stuff and the hip really capitalized on that with, you know, Saskadelphia and and some great reissues of uh of their their yeah. well, albums. I'll be honest. I mean, I know I know we're we we decided we're staying in the nineties because there's a lot of stuff that the hip did. I'm not this I don't want to cap this show off this way but that i kind of walked away from um same i i did i'm being honest i'm being yeah, transparent too. there was a bunch of stuff that came out that i walked away i got an album here i've never i don't think i heard one song off of it um but then there's kind of this, this resurgence because I, I obviously we all went to the last concert in one form or the other yeah and now there's new there's new or previously unreleased whatever or you know, shit you haven't heard before, or remastered, whatever. I want to go back to that and revisit it. And I just didn't know it was out there because yeah, I, it's, of, I walked it, away. It's amazing. It's, it's an absolute, it's an absolute trip. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? And I don't take away from, I know there's a lot of vinyl heads and everybody likes their stuff. Listen, I'm going to be a proponent for digital music here for a minute. Cause like the Dolby Atmos and the ultra HD that like Amazon and everybody has now, when you hear these remasters and they're processed through that way and you, you hear everything, mm-hmm. everything. And it's gorgeous. Like, like I've got a Bose system and like, I will take these Dolby ultra HD, whatever the hell and listen. And if you have a system that'll actually do it for you or a good set of headphones, You'll, you're going to hear a whole different experience in an album when it comes to, and especially these re-releases where they've gone through. Yeah, I don't want to fight by with vinyl heads, but you're fucking all full of shit. <laughs> bit by bit, and they and they just they they polish it and they just make it perfect. It's just so it's so good. So I, yeah, I totally I totally agree. You got to check out Road Apples, the, the the deluxe edition. It's it's incredible. I will mm-hmm. for sure. Well, I don't think there's any better way that we can uh, end off this program than calling a bunch of vinyl heads full of shit. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm a vinyl head, that. by the way, just so you know. I so love, thanks for that. I love Chris. the nostalgia. I'm sorry. Uh, I do love the collection, but uh, you know what? You can't. No, it's uh, listen. It's all good. Uh, so I would like to say a huge thanks to uh, my man, Dimitri, who uh, is here each and every week. And I just adore him. Uh, Chris, Army Chris actually served, literally has served for this country, brother. So we adore you and thank you for your service. 
you're the man. Uh, Ryan Lindley, the Getting Sauce podcast. You're going to be able to check that out very, very soon. Being released in all of your favorite podcast places. And that fellow by the name of Rob Johnston just happens to produce a podcast by the name of The Ongoing History of New Music. You're fucking awesome, dude. And we love having you every single time you show up. So I appreciate awesome. being here. Thanks. And trying to help out any way I can. Thank, thanks for being here, brother. We greatly appreciate <laughs> it. We missed our man Derek tonight, actually. I was, to be honest with you, I was really hoping that uh, our He's man He's still Derek on the Lewis, four or He's whatever. probably still on the QEW right now, yeah, the poor yeah. guy. Um, that four drive right now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I feel bad because uh, I know the hip uh, meant a lot to him growing up uh, as a singer-songwriter slash musician. So I uh, wish he could have been here tonight, but uh, anyway, he will be back next week. Uh, next Monday night, we are going Todd, to be in... We are going to be interviewing a fellow by the name of Trevor Hurst from a Caudaline Crush, which we're very wow. freaking excited about. Yeah, and the week That's after that... Heard. Uh, the week Long after time. that, we've got a special guest host who's going to be joining us here on Canadian as Fuck, an incredible legendary broadcaster a canadian broadcaster by the name of jeff woods so you know who did the best do you know who did the best jeff woods and the best jeff woods imitation who was that martin streak did he really i eh? oh my oh. god i had him in the voice booth a few times we were doing some stuff and he just get in there like, hey hey um, hey, uh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand i spoke to woodsy tonight i spoke to woodsy tonight yeah. on the phone right and he, he oh, was i do just his like, show i do his show too, i know right? you do I of do, course he's yeah. like you know technical projection by Rob hey. right it's just like he literally has that voice that you want to like like <laughs> do you do his porno sleep, podcast right? too rob no i don't do that no really because <laughs> i'm really mad i'm mad he at does jeff it. i love jeff but i'm mad at him for that because he makes me feel weird things in my bathing suit area because <laughs> 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 me oh too my, my friend God. me too yeah no i spoke he to him on that. the phone today woodsy is just, he's such a great guy i, he I really keep my i keep my guy. business in different different you know like <laughs> <laughs> that's right it just I, I spoke to him tonight he's like craig g great to talk to you buddy so what's he talk to you about? So what's the show all about? And he just and he's yeah. talking to me, and I'm just like, ooh, the arm, the hair on my arms is standing up. Anyway, you're, you're uh, lighting you're gonna, candles. That's right. You're going to experience <laughs> uh, down. the man who uh, gives us the Records and Rockstars podcast, as well as the Blue Hotel podcast. He's going to be uh, joining us in two weeks here on Canadian Fuck. I can't Yeah, Trevor. I have a, I have a, I, I, I've always adored a Conline Crush. So seriously. Look so cool. I remember seeing a Conline Crush at a Canadian Music Week thing down at the Steam Whistle years ago, like 20 years ago. They were doing a showcase from there. And I was with uh, our friend, Brother Bill. Yes. And a bunch of us. And we decided to commandeer a EMI van to go up to Lee's Palace because we heard uh, Danko Jones was playing. Ooh. So we're like, fuck, let's go see Danko Jones play Canadian Music Week. So we hopped in this van. We yeah. at Conline Crush show was over. We booted up there. We get out. The place is packed. Can't get in. Don't have passes. Neil says, "Okay, give me a second. I'm going to go in." Goes in. Comes out. And he goes. Of course. He Neil. goes out because two minutes later he goes, "Okay, you guys are Weezer." <laughs> just go with it just follow me <laughs> walk into the we walk nice to lose palace head down away we go that's it fantastic oh my god yeah oh wow that's awesome yeah my buddy so Anthony. that works every time it were yeah. apparently just, <laughs> just pretend you're just pretend you know you're a really you, tall rivers you cuomo just, <laughs> if you go if you go in with enough attitude that's nobody's it. gonna question See, you right chris and i and would get away sometimes with it 
And sometimes yeah. you got to use a British 100%. accent. You got to use English. Do you know who I am? Do you <laughs> fucking know who I am? Do you know who I am? Do you know why? Why are you stopping me? Do you see what I got to do here? Do, <laughs> That's right. What no. are you doing? No, Chris and I would get away with it because we both smoke like two packs a day. We could totally say we're Weezers. And <laughs> there we'll you go. Oh, are you <laughs> hacking a dart already down there? You yeah. bastard. Yeah, I need to fucking fine. smoke so bad, buddy. Um, <laughs> well, listen, let's let you go so you can get said dart. All right. So we're saying goodnight. Thanks so much <laughs> well, uh, to all the panelists. Thursday night. We are signing off tonight. Uh, Canada's band of the 90s, the Tragically Hip. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. Thank you so much for having Revolution us. Revolution Radio. Please check us out, revolutionradio.live, as in live music. Once again, revolutionradio.live. We broadcast 24-7, 365, and two of these fellas right in the middle, Ryan Lindley and Chris, Army Chris, have got brand and, new shows coming up. And enjoy and enjoy trying out uh, Rob Johnson's Entering a Club's uh, yeah, give it a shot. What could go wrong? Yep. Yep. Get in. You get tell them I'm Sheena Easton. Yeah, <laughs> you don't know who I am? <laughs> I don't even I didn't know come up with the idea. All right. I didn't come up with the idea. Of all the names of from... <laughs> I don't know why that one. I, I plucked it right from the front. Like why I was thinking of Sheena Easton. Today. I think you I were know. thinking of Prince. That's why. So there you go. Anyway, oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. All right. Both All right. of them are hot. Absolutely. <laughs> let's do. Let's do a Prince deep dive next, guys. Okay. Good night, everybody. Thank you, so yeah. Thank, Thank you easy. so much. Thank you so much. Okay. So Army right Chris, now we just roll into it now. Okay. Like, seriously. So, so you do a Prince deep dive, but you won't do a Rush deep dive. What the fuck is wrong with you? Like, uh, let, let's just go with. Okay. Yeah. All right. Up. All right. Never mind. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much. Revolution Radio dot live. Good night. The podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.